you. So today, I would like you to think with me on this subject called to be world influencers for Jesus Christ. Called to be world influencers for Jesus Christ. And if you could um, open your Bible with me, we're only going to read one verse, and it's in um, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Um, and bear with me for a minute. And 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And that was Paul addressing uh, his words of encouragement to a very timid uh, Timothy. And we're going to focus only on verse 12. Um, actually, we're just going to start in verse 11. It says, come in and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Father, we come before you right now, trusting in your grace, and we call upon your power, God. We beg you for an enabling, a special anointing from your Holy Spirit, that your people, God, are here, they want to receive your word, not the word of a man, but your word, speaking through the mouth of a man, anointed by you to deliver your message faithfully. May you convict, Lord. May you encourage. May you transform. As your word, as it says in Hebrew 12, never come back to you until it had accomplished that for which you sent it forth. Hear our word. Hear our cry. Speak, Lord. Your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, do you know the difference, and I know you know, this is a rhetorical question, not to insult your intelligence, but do you know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? Yes. <laughs> a, a thermometer, which is what most of you have, some of you have, it, it um, basically tells you what the temperature is in a particular area of the house. But most of you don't want a thermometer. What you want in your house is a thermostat. A thermometer simply tells you this is the temperature in the house. A thermometer sets the temperature in the house. A thermometer, a, a, a thermostat sets the temperature in the house. A thermometer is influenced by the outside factors, the temperature, the ambient air. A thermostat sets the environment. And when Paul was talking to Timothy, he reminded him that God is not looking for thermometers. 
God is not looking for you to be thermometers. God is looking for you to be thermostats. God is not looking for you to be influenced by your Indian environment, by the culture. God is looking for you to set the tone and to be influencers for Jesus Christ. We live in a world, my friends, that's to say that it's messed up is the understatement of the century. We look around in our country. People are at each other's throat. Families get divorced because of political differences. We look at the world in general. You see what's going on in the Middle East. Wherever you turn, it's chaos. In the culture, there's complete, total confusion around every aspect. And the tendency and the risk that we run as believers in Jesus Christ is to allow the culture to mold us instead of us being molded by God's word and the Holy Spirit. God doesn't call you to be influenced by the world. God calls us to be influencers for him. You stand your ground, what you believe, your mindset, your philosophy, how you look at life, how you look at issues, how you look at things like marriage, sexuality, how you look at everything is not based on what's on MSNBC or Fox News, but it is based on what the Word of God says. And you stand lovingly grounded in that truth. And Paul gave us the recipe. How do you become world influencers for Jesus Christ? How do you prevent the culture from influencing you and your children, but you becoming the influencer of your children so that your children can be the influencers of the culture? And Paul gave us a simple, but yet not so simple, recipe and formula for this. And I'm just going to basically summarize everything, and then the rest is gravy. Paul tells us the steps. Five different steps. Five things. The first one is we become world influencers for Jesus Christ when we model godliness in our speech, how we speak, and what we say, the way we speak, and the content of our speech. Second, we model godliness in our conduct. And this is the part where you not only talk the talk, but you walk the walk. Third, we model godliness through our love for other people. God doesn't call you to be this harsh, harsh judge of people. He calls you to stand your ground to be who you are in Christ, but doing it with an attitude and a motivation of love. Not to show the world that you are better than them. In fact, if, if you're married and you're, I mean, my, I think I'm a pretty cool guy. I think I'm a pretty good guy. But if you ask my wife, she'll remind you that I'm no saint. There are times I'm a little better than others, and I can bet you if I were to talk to your spouse or your kids, 
They'll remind you that you know better than the next person. All of it is grace. So God calls you to show godliness, but in an attitude of love. Not an attitude of arrogance, not an attitude of superiority, not an attitude of looking down upon other people, but an attitude to know that this is what God wants, and I want to live my life the way God wants me to live it, and therefore I need to show these people the truth of God being lived in my life. Fourth, we show, we become world influencers for Jesus Christ as we live faithfully before him. It's a day-in, day-out proposition, my friend. It's not, you are always being influenced by the, by, by the culture, by your environment, by your friends, but it's faithfully day-in, day-out, stepping in faith, walking in faith, trusting God, and with, regardless of what the consequences Maybe. And then lastly, we become world influencers as we model godliness through a pure life. That's what Paul said. Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young. Many of you, some of you are younger, but all of you are young, especially as you compare to eternity, right? But Paul wanted a timid Timothy to know that he can have a profound impact on his environment as he become a thermostat for God. Then he gave him the five steps that he needs, the five truths he needs to know, the five steps he needs to take to be that thermostat for God. And that's, these are the five truths I want to kind of like unpack for you, just a little bit for a few minutes today. We go back and say the first step, the first thing is you model godliness in your speech. And that means not just the words that you say, but how you say them. And interestingly enough, when the Apostle Paul was talking or writing to Timothy, he envisioned only two ways of speech, right? Written speech, you send a letter that usually takes days and days and sometimes months to get to the person, and, and the words that you, you use. And, and Paul said, the first step is in your speech, model godliness. And the reason why Jesus said it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you are talking, what you say really comes out of your heart. I know sometimes, you know, you go, you say something, you go, oops, I didn't mean to say it. Oops, it slipped out. And actually, there is a truth to that, because it was right in here, and it slipped out. So this is important that your speech reflects the word of God. But in an age of Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, that speech goes further. And I'm going to start meddling you for a minute. Sometimes you have godly people 
who are overpassionate about issues, often political. And then they go in and just let loose on Twitter, let loose on TikTok, let loose on, on Facebook, and messing up your testimony. And I want that to sit for a minute. How you communicate on Twitter, how you communicate, communicate on Facebook or social media will have an impact on whether you can bring and help bring somebody to Jesus Christ. And that's why when Paul spoke about the steps to become world influencers for Jesus Christ, he didn't just say one thing. It's all five of those things combined together. Is your speech on, on social media uh, because of some political stuff that you feel strongly about? Is it harsh? Would someone interpret it as full of hate? Self-righteousness? Is that how you, you bring someone to Jesus Christ? Interestingly enough, the Bible tells us to speak the truth. But... Paul didn't say, speak the truth, period. Paul said, speak the truth in love. It's not just speak the truth. It is speak the truth in love. Write the truth in love. Because it's a reflection of what's in your heart. And it will have a direct impact on how people view Jesus Christ. Do you realize that sometimes some people have no concept of God, especially of Jesus Christ, that you become the closest model that they have of Jesus Christ? They hear that you are a Christian. They hear that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a born-again Christian. And they look at you, and they're thinking, that's how Jesus must be. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then that's the way you are, the way you talk, your attitude, what you do or fail to do, is a reflection of what your Jesus is like. Do you understand the weight of responsibility that is? That you're representing Jesus Christ to the world and how you communicate, what you communicate. Tell others who don't know Jesus Christ what Jesus is supposed to be like. Do you really, do you really want to stand in front of your master at the end of days? And he puts in the, I don't know if God is going to have a videotape or a DVD player or, or whatever, the pop play. And he's looking at you, talking to some people. He pops play and he's showing you the screen of things that you put in on Twitter. You put it on TikTok. You put it on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever else is going out there. Do you really want that? If you want to be world influencers, it begins with your speech. 
You know, <laughs> there's something that in the United States, I'm, I'm originally from Haiti, so we don't have things like free speech. But here in the United States, you do. And I personally believe, and I agree, that free speech is an American right. And in fact, I will go even further. It is a human right that we all should fight for. But do you know, based on God's word, that although free speech is an American right, or even though it's a human right, free speech, my friend, is not necessarily a Christian right. Paul told us in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Could you imagine what that the impact that would have on our marriages, on your relationship with your children, on your relationship with your co-workers at work, on the world at large, if you follow this one tiny truth of scripture, not to let unwholesome, that means unwholesome means anything that does not build up. Don't let anything that has the potential to tear down someone else come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful. As you talk to your wife and your children, as you talk to your husband, as you talk to that co-worker, as you get into Twitter, all heat it up. Ask yourself, is it wholesome? Is it likely to build up that person? Or more importantly, is it likely to build up the kingdom of God rather than tear it down? So you don't have a right to free speech as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Your speech is muzzled by the Holy Spirit. You say what God wants you to say, nothing more, nothing less. So you may be an American citizen who wants to tell the world that I've got my right of free speech. It's my constitutional right, but as a Christian, God says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth or out of your fingers. You don't have unfettered free speech. But Paul didn't stay there. It's not just enough for you to live a life where you have wholesome speech. You talk a good talk. Paul says it also has to show up in your lifestyle. That's why Paul says, you know, but, but, but in your speech and in your conduct. This is where what you say matches up to how you live. How you live matches up to what you say. That there is integrity. That's the word. Congruence. Integrity. So when people look at you publicly, if they were to talk to the most intimate person in your life who lives with you day in, day out, 
there should not be a different person. It should not be, wait a minute, who are you talking about? It's not just your living, talking, and speaking in a way that build up others, but living in a way that build up other people. And here's why. Because we must be model of spiritual virtue in every aspect of your life, the way you live life, there's a reason for that. The reason is that you were created to be little Jesuses. In fact, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, people forget that it ties into the next verse. And that first verse has no meaning without that second verse. And I'm referring to Romans 8.28. We love quoting that, especially when bad things happen, when things happen in our lives. And it's great. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Of those who have been called according to his purpose. That's great. But do you know that is not the end of the thought? The end of the thought, the complete thought from Paul is through verse 29. Where Paul says, for, God, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that we may be the firstborn. He may be the firstborn. The firstborn here simply means not the first child to be born, but the, the Greek word is, is the word for prototype. So Jesus is our prototype. Those of you who are in tech, you realize if you're building something, before you begin mass producing that thing, you build a prototype. You build a model of that product, of that car. So they look at it so that every other car that comes after will match exactly with your prototype. That's the whole idea. Jesus came so that we can be the prototype of Jesus on planet Earth. It starts with your speech. It doesn't end with your speech. It continues with your conduct, how you live. Because think about it. God doesn't want you and I to confuse people. You may be saying all the right things, but if people are looking at you and you, what you're saying doesn't match the way you live your life, that actually does even more damage. It's called you being a hypocrite. And the word hypocrite actually comes from the Latin hypocritas, which means actor. And it comes from the pattern or the Greek theater where they didn't have a lot of people to play different roles, so they would have one person come with a mask, do his thing, go back, come back with a different mask. And is that what you really want to do in the church? Eventually, that mask is going to come off. People are going to know who you are. And that's why Paul didn't just say in speech. He says, in your conduct the way you live your life, so that there is integrity, there is congruence between how you live and what you say. 
especially if you say that your life is patterned after Jesus Christ. You become a very, very dangerous weapon. Because as I said before, a lot of people don't have any notion of who Jesus is. They look at you who claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then they say, oh, that's how Jesus must be. Jesus hates those kind of people. Jesus is mean. Jesus thinks I'm not worth anything. Jesus doesn't hang out with those people because they're looking at you. Do you still realize the weight? The weight of your saying to the world that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? God wants you to be influencers, not being influenced. Some of us, we grab the, we are more concerned about being liked by people around us than loving Jesus. So we embrace what the world embraces. We say the things that the world says because we don't want to be offensive. And that is why Paul brings about the third Step or the third thing that we need that not only you, you speak as God would speak, you don't allow any unwholesome talk to come out of your mouth or your keyboard, anything that tears down someone else. And not only do you live out your faith with integrity, but Paul says. You want to do it with love and in the spirit of love. So what you do, the way you live your life, is you do it motivated by a deep love for God first because you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of God. You understand what God has done for you in your life is a daily act of gratitude toward God. And you do it out of love for people. Because you know your way, what you're living, what you believe is the way, is the best way. Regardless of the confusion of the world. What God says is what goes. What God says is what is true. So you do it because you love people. You do it because you live that way. You tell your truth, the truth of the word of God, because eventually you want to draw people unto God so that they can have a relationship with God because you know what the alternative is. And, and in churches, we don't talk about hell, but hell is a reality. If you were to look at every person in your life who don't know Jesus Christ as someone who is on a cruise ship straight to the gates of hell, that would have a different motivation. You know, on a cruise ship, my wife and I, we took a cruise, and 
April, that was my first time ever, and it was great. You know, you're on the ship, you're free, you do all kinds of stuff, you eat, you go places, but the ship is going. There's nowhere you can go. I can't swim two miles. The ship is going. I may be having a good time, but I'm having a good time to the Bahamas, or I'm going, having a good time to Jamaica. Except that the people who don't know Jesus Christ, they may be having a good time on a cruise ship, but they're having a good time on a toward hell. And if you know that, if you're motivated by that, whatever you do will be done in that spirit of love, of rescuing that person from the grip of Satan, from the pit of hell. You love God and you love people. And the kind of love that God calls us to show people, starting with the people closest to us, the kind of love that God calls us to show your wife, your children, your husband, your friends, and eventually it comes from, it's the inside out, and it goes out, is the kind of love that is the kind of God's kind of love. It's not a love that is conditional. Often, when we say I love you, it, it, it says there's a, I love you because. When God says, I love you, God says, I love you, exclamation point. Period. I love you. Done. A lot of us, because we're so not used to that type of unconditional love, we have a hard time accepting that God loves us. Done. Period. Exclamation point. Why? Because we are so used. Even when we say, I love you, it is more like, I love you because. Your husband, your parents, it's more like, I love you as long as. There's an end point to that love. You get enough on my nerve, that love goes away. There's a, I love you provided that. You make me feel good. Provided that. You continue to whatever. But when God says, I love you, it's I love you, period. You know, it's not the same kind of I love you because I know something is coming down the pipeline. You know, like this woman who had initially um, broken her engagement um, with her uh, fiancé. And out of the blue, um, this woman sent a letter, an email to the fiancé. It says, dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking my engagement with you. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. And she added, P.S. 
and congratulations on winning the state lottery and becoming a multimillionaire. Some of us, that's what we do. We love someone because of the things. Sometimes we do things for people because of the expectation of what they will be able to do for us. But the kind of love the Bible wants us to express is the love of Jesus Christ. The love that says, I love you, regardless of what you've done. I love you, irrespective of. I love you despite. I love you. So that's what Paul wants us, as you live a life of godliness before God, as you influencing the world for God, God, Paul says, you have to do it in your speech, you have to do it in your conduct, so there's congruity between how you live and what you say, and also you do it in love, in the spirit of love, out of love for God, out of love for his people, but realizing the fourth thing that Paul talks about is because of the realization that on our own, you cannot do it. I just put before you three impossible tasks. For you to always use speech that never tears down people. Tell me one person who's ever done that. Never use a word, a speech pattern that tears down someone else for 24 hours. Never mind a month. Tell me someone who loves unconditionally. Tell me someone whose life always matching up, matches up with their speech. It's an impossible task, which is why Paul says, not only you have to do it in conduct, in your speech, in love, but also in spirit. And what Paul means by in spirit, it means by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot be world influencers unless and until you are moved along, you are enabled to do it by the Holy Spirit. And the last thing that Paul says, the, the fourth thing he says, in faith. It's going to require faith. Because when you try to live a life for God and you're standing for the truth of God, in love, when you're trying to live out your life the way God wants you to live it, not the way the world wants you to do it, the attacks of the enemy will come. Discouragement will come. Criticism will come. And you will need to have faith in God and be faithful day by day. And lastly, Paul says you need to do it Live in purity. Purity of purpose. So you're not living that life because you want to please other people. You're, you're, you're being an influencer not because you want to have influence, but that's, that's just the life that you call to, to live by Jesus Christ. In every aspect of your life, there is purity. In order for the Holy Spirit to work through you and in you, you live a life of purity. You don't allow unfiltered things to come into your brain. You don't allow unfiltered things to come out of your mouth. 
That's what it means by purity, a pure motive and a pure life. The word here to be an influencer is godliness. And godliness was defined by someone as devotion in action. It's an attitude toward God that results in actions that are pleasing to God. So here it is. A simple yet complicated formula to being world influencers for Jesus Christ. So that the world doesn't mold you, fit you into its own mold, but you have impact for God, to live an impactful life for God. First is, don't let anyone look down on you because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The world looks down on Christians because they have their view of, of everything, of marriage, of sexuality, of, of politics, and they look down on us. Paul said, live boldly. Be influencers and do it through your speech. Do it by aligning your godly speech with a godly life. Do it with an attitude of love. Do it trusting in God day after day when the attacks are coming your way. Do it with the spirit of purity. Do it in complete submission to the Holy Spirit. Because on your own, you can't do it. On your own, you will fail. But if you live a life completely submerged under the power of the Holy Spirit, that is what will cause you to be influencers for Jesus Christ. And I want to leave you with one last thing. The tendency sometimes, when I preach a sermon that says, you know, to be world influencers, is somehow you're going to live it so that you can, God can love you more. Or you're going to earn brownie points from God. Know that as you live the life, you are living it because that's who you are. It's an outflow of who you are in Jesus Christ. And you do it, someone said, you do it because you love God and you are grateful to God. Not because you want God to love you more. Because someone said, and that's what I'm going to leave you with, you, God, can never love you any more than he loves you now, regardless of your state. Nothing you can do will make God love you less. Nothing you can do will make God love you more. God, lo God loves you, period. And God's love is constant. You live to influence the world for Jesus Christ out of, of an overflow of your love to God, for God, and in gratitude for the love of God.